0: Hello, welcome back to Rabbit and Pork, Londonists' blend of interview, chats, guides and everything in between. My name is Harry Rosal and I'm your host for today. On this episode, we're taking a deep dive, quite literally, as we explore subterranean London. We chat to Londonist subterranean expert Matt Brown, a man who loves nothing more than snooping around whatever basement, tunnel, sewer, plague pit or whatever else he can get access to. Then, we chat to food and drink expert Lydia Manch about the top five underground bars in London you should visit. But first, here's Londonist's editor-in-chief, Will Noble, who will be popping up throughout the episode to let you know about 25 of the most interesting spots beneath London.
1: 25 awesome subterranean spaces. 25 Chislehurst Caves. Erstwhile Mushroom Farm and Site 2 Jimi Hendrix gigs. 24 Gordon's Wine Bar. Plug beakers of sherry by candlelight in this atmospherically sweaty cellar. 23. Clapham Deep Level Shelters. Built as World War II bomb shelters, ended up being thrifty hotels and a salad farm. 22. The River Fleet. Other culverted rivers are available. 21. The Guildhall Amphitheatre. Roman London meets a Tron
0: Light display. I'm now joined by Londonist Matt Brown, editor at large here. How's it going? Pretty good, Harry, pretty good. Cool, that's good to hear. Uh, You're here because you're an expert on all things subterranean. Do you think that's fair to say?
2: Well, I don't know about an expert. I've certainly had plenty of experience of going into these spaces over the 14 years or so I've been doing Londonist.
0: Well, speaking of experiences, I think that's where we're going to start. As someone who's travelled around so many of London's secret subterranean spots, which one's your favourite?
2: Where to start? I I could name hundreds possibly though i'd nominate the space beneath the victoria and albert hall in south kensington because it's a part of subterranean london not many people know about and i certainly wasn't aware of i turned up to do a general tour of the hall and go on the roof in fact and then they showed me their secret tunnel down in the basement which is huge it's about as wide as a tube tunnel and it's used for ventilation to bring fresh air into the auditorium so that's probably my, my most surprised and, and favourite moment, just because I didn't know it existed.
0: Uh, neither did I up until this very moment. That sounds like the kind of place which, if possible, would be amazing for events or tours. Do you know if they use it for anything else or does it just have to be for ventilation? It's
2: pretty critical to the infrastructure. <laughs> you don't want to have too many humans down there because you block the air getting into the, the theatre.
0: OK, yes, I <laughs> I take that back. That would cause some issues. Um, moving on, I want to ask, do you know what's the oldest bit of kind of major subterranean infrastructure that remains in London today? It's a good question.
2: I think, I mean, depends how what you classify as infrastructure and, and tunnels and spaces. There's certainly old water pipes and elementary sewers down there from... Possibly medieval periods, they do dig up old elm pipes from time to time. These, I mean, these are only half a metre radius uh, or diameter, sorry. Um, not the sort of thing you could walk through. In terms of passages that you could walk through... Uh, you've probably got own basements from old Georgian buildings, for example. There's plenty of those across town. If you're walking down the street, you might notice the coal hole covers in the pavements where um, workmen used to tip uh, the deliveries of coal in, in the Georgian and Victorian eras. And those lead into cellars beneath lots of the Georgian terraces. So they're three 300 years old, some of those. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the Tube, which was the world's first underground subterranean railway actually i call it the tube pedants would pick me up on the point that uh, the tube is the later deep level ones like, like the northern line whereas the early tube was called the underground and it's the cut and cover lines like the circle and Smith and city that's 153 four years old
0: and how old is the tube then where uh, the first
2: tube line was the northern line which mm. was the very end of the 19th century
0: okay yes that is extreme pedantry and we do get sent that about how often i'd say every couple months we get something They're subsurface the underground they're not the tube
2: to the point where we have an article about the difference (laughs) and we often add an asterisk to articles saying we do know the difference see here for for more details
0: (laughs) okay so that's those are kind of the oldest what is the weirdest part of subterranean london
2: Again I could nominate many examples here. My personal favourite and one not many people know about considering where it is is the Camden Catacombs. Um, do you know much about them?
0: I So are these off the canal?
2: That's right yeah so where Stables Market is in Camden that's a complex of old uh, horse tunnels where they used to store horses overnight for market trade. Now that's only a very small part of the wider network. There are far more tunnels beneath Camden Market than most people know about. And the only real way you can access them, and you probably shouldn't, is using a canal boat or a dinghy or something like that. And you have to paddle in to this archway off the Regent's Canal, which is goes by the remarkable name of Dead Dog's Hole because of the number of dogs that used to wash up there in olden times. But I, I, I did get in there once with a group of people. We paddled in in a dinghy and uh, we found there's like a doorway in there that was left open and there was no signs on it to say we couldn't go in. So we did go in and quite remarkable. If you imagine stables market but not touched by commercialism, just passageway after passageway all brick lined and very elegant. And the, the funny thing was, so we were paddling our dinghies to get in. And we had to contend with James Bond's bodyguards to negotiate our way in, because they were, they were filming Spectre at the time on the Regent's Canal. And there was a security guard there from the, the filming, and we had to talk our way past him.
0: Speaking of James Bond and the film crew associated, they're well known among uh, one of London's other underground spots, or I guess a sect of them, uh, abandoned tube stations.
2: That's right. I think several, especially the Daniel Craig films, have been have made use of the tube network and particularly abandoned tube stations. I'm thinking particularly of Charing Cross, which used to have Jubilee line platforms before they built the extension at the turn of the century. And that station, that part of Charing Cross station, which is abandoned to the public, is heavily used by film crews. To this day, and part of Skyfall, I think, was filmed down there, although masquerade, masquerading as a different station, as is often the case.
0: Yeah, I think was it possibly Temple? Yeah, and, or...
2: and I think, as usual with with these films, the the route he took made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the same in Thor, the second Thor film. Yes,
0: I, I remember that one. Yeah. I was actually down in Charing Cross, the abandoned bit, for the first time ever, just last week, and obviously you get to that escalator. And you see there are no um, stand on the right signs and you can do the James Bond slide. Obviously, I didn't. But, you know, the thought.
2: Uh, It's every Londoner's dream, isn't
0: it? Yeah. So we went a bit morbid earlier with our subterranean spots. You brought up Dead Dog's Hole, was it? That's right. Uh, Continuing on that theme, let's talk about London's plague pits, of which there are quite a few. Good link, by the way. Very well done. Uh, Yeah, of course, there are... Thousands of people
2: died in the Great Plague of 1665 and the earlier medieval plague. And largely, we don't know where they were buried. They They were often buried in mass graves around the fringes of the small nucleus of London as it was then. And from time to time, new plague pits are encountered. One was found about a decade ago, actually, beneath London Bridge when they were building what we now know as the London Bridge Experience, you know, that kind of part museum, part shock show where you you have people jumping out at you beneath the bridge.
0: Yeah, Jack the Ripper is terrifying. Is (laughs) Is that the same? I've not
2: been around for a long time. I can't remember what's in there now, but I do remember what was in there 10 years ago when... I remember seeing an item on the BBC News where they were preparing this this exhibition space and they encountered all these bodies down there, all these skeletons. And uh, they had a very credulous news item on the BBC where they were talking about the workmen who were seeing ghosts and tools were flying through the air and, and nobody had thrown them and all this. So I wrote to them and said, can I spend the night down there? I'm, I don't believe in ghosts. I'm quite happy to, to stay down there. And uh, and they said yes, so I, I went along, I took some friends, because I'm a little bit scared to <laughs> go down there on my own, and, uh, and a bottle of whiskey, and um, we, we sat down there, and they still had all the skeletons that they'd dug up, uh, dotted around what became the London Bridge experience, it was just uh, holes in the ground where they'd excavated the bodies, and the bodies actually heaped into buckets down there. And so we spent quite a spooky night down there with, with these, these remains, and... Uh, I don't think any of us got any sleep, but that was a very curious experience.
0: What did you bring with you? Like sleeping bags?
2: Yeah, but they weren't really used in the end. We just stayed up all night um, Mm. talking and drinking and uh, having a bit of a a strange (laughs) night of it. Um, We we didn't see any spirits or any supernatural activity, but it was still a very creepy space. And I mean, that was only found 10 years ago in a very heavily built part of town. So who knows what else is down there?
0: Yeah, especially with kind of, future train and infrastructure projects uh hs2 and yeah. um, possibly crossrail to sure to uncover maybe not plague pits but many more interesting archaeological finds like it,
2: it is one of the wonderful side uh, side effects of these grand infrastructure projects we, we saw only the other day one of the shafts for the, the thames tunnel the sewage tunnel under the thames I uh, uncovered this, the body of a medieval um, person who died still wearing leather boots, and the boots are still intact. And that made quite large news the, only the other day. Mm.
0: I wouldn't say they were quite intact in the photos well, I saw, <laughs> but they were discernibly leather boots. That's right. Yeah. So moving on from the morbid, the weird, your favourite, let's go on to just the deepest what is the deepest thing in london
2: are you the guinness book of records harry are you yes the, i am facts and the figures the deepest is well you think the tube's pretty deep and it is one of the deeper things and Crossrail is going to be slightly deeper still but the deepest tunnel of all is called the lee tunnel and it's not a very well known tunnel you can't go down it no human can go down it it's full to the brim with sewage and it connects the River Lee to the, the Beckton Sewage Treatment Works. It was commissioned about three years ago and uh, has, has relieved that river of quite a lot of its, its dirt. Uh, I was lucky enough to go down three years ago before they pumped all the sewage in. And it's it's about 70, 80 metres down at its deepest point. That's, I don't know, 12 double-decker buses, something like that. I don't know. Uh, it
0: always has to be done yeah, in double-decker buses. That's
2: right, or, or areas the size of Wales. Yeah, or football pitches. That's right. You know, these
0: are the official measurement techniques.
2: Yeah, and it's pretty huge down there. It's, it's a lot wider than a tube tunnel because it's got a, a large capacity of water and surface drainage water and sewage that it has to, first of all, hold and then move down to towards Beckton. Um, So it's a a very big infrastructure project, and it's the forerunner of the Thames Tunnel, which is a lot better known—the one that they've recently started work on beneath the Thames.
0: So this, um, the Lee Tunnel, do does that take most of London's sewage, or is it just kind of that area of East London?
2: It's just that area of East London. Uh, The Thames Tunnel will take a lot more of. uh, of the city's waste, and especially during heavy rains when the, the existing sewer mm-hmm. system overflows into it, that's its chief purpose to stop that sewage going into the Thames itself.
0: Earlier, uh, you mentioned that Crossrail uh, is deeper than the tube. Mm-hmm. Is that completely the whole story? Uh- there,
2: there are, there is some overlap. There are some tube stations that are deeper. I mean, Hampstead is famously the the deepest. Um, there are. Bits where, yeah, crossrail will be higher than the tube. It is ever so slightly deeper on average, I think, and that's purely because there's so many other tunnels and pipes and things higher up that it needs to go deeper to avoid them all.
0: Fair enough. We'll hear back from Matt later on, looking ahead to the future of subterranean London. But for now, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Audible, We've partnered with them to offer you three months half price membership. You'll be able to choose one audiobook each month from their extensive selection. Here's a pick we'd like to recommend for all the London obsessives out there. Rather aptly, we've gone for Underground London by Stephen Smith. The travel writer wanders through hidden tunnels beneath palaces, through lost rivers like the Tyburn, and of course, abandoned tube stations. Whatever book you choose, it's yours to keep for life, regardless of whether you cancel. If you're not happy with a book, you can exchange it for another one, no questions asked. Sign up at audible.co.uk forward slash Londonest. Next up, we chat to Lydia about London's top underground bars. But first, here's Will with some more subterranean spots. 20, mega basements,
1: rich people's swimming pools and cinemas beneath your feet. 19, Battle of Britain Bunker, a small room in Uxbridge which helped win the Second World War. 18, cabinet war rooms, Lots of rooms in Westminster, which helped win the Second World War. Seventeen Down Street Station, yet another war-winning shelter. It may also have Winston Churchill's bathtub. Sixteen Cahoots, swish cocktails in a
0: 1940s-style tube station. And now we have Lydia Manch, London's general manager, here to talk about underground bars and why why do we go to underground bars, Lydia?
3: That is such a good question. I know why I go, particularly at this time of year. It's the hibernation instinct. I just want to be descending into some kind of cave-like place that's going to keep me warm and cocooned and ply me with whiskey of some kind. But on top of that, I think that there's just that fascination with the way that um, you can see spaces that don't feel like they were really intended to be seen, you know, behind the scenes at the museum feel. I always get that when I sort of go drinking somewhere deep beneath the earth.
0: So do you find yourself in underground bars, let's say in summer, and you're kind of drawn to the rooftops? And
3: Yes, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely, some of it is very much a weather-appropriate choice. But some of it is just like the pleasure of dropping beneath the surface of what's seen and knowing that you're going to be somewhere like, away, from, away from the naked eye.
0: Yeah. So on that note, mm. I want to ask you, what are your five top underground bars that everyone in London should visit?
3: This is so hard because <laughs> London is very good at underground bars and we have a whole bunch of amazing ones. Um, but, hmm, okay, so one of the places I would start as a, I would say ideal for date night type of bar is Discount Suit Company. I don't know if you know it.
0: I know the sign. Ah, uh, yes. So I know it from the outside.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of all east, I would say, mm-hmm. spitalfields. I don't really yeah. know which you call it. Um, it's beautiful, yeah. So you drop into it, it's small, it's candlelit, it's romantic, um, but not in a cheesy way, just in quite a dark and slightly dingy way. Mm. Um, it's sort of a speakeasy, although, as you say, Plenty of people will know the sign, so I don't think it's a very well-kept secret, but it is a well-loved spot.
0: But the sign doesn't have anything to do with it being a bar. That's true. Am I correct?
3: Uh, Yes, it is. So it looks, in theory, like an old tailor's shop. But on the other Mm. hand, how many old tailor's shops have candlelit entrances and stuff? I think it's, you know, the discerning Londoner can probably guess that it's one of those crop of speakeasies that you see everywhere now. But it is one of the best ones i think mm-hmm. um, and it
0: did used to be an old uh suit company i, I believe. believe so yeah. yeah in
3: fact i think the upstairs may still be but i would not want to be quoted on that ah interesting uh, yeah. um and it's just the cocktails are great mm-hmm. um and their specialty but i would say that their way with whiskey is very moorish so oh. if you don't want to rack up an enormous bill actually the wine is really decent price i think starts at about 17 quid for a bottle And is a much cheaper way to get to in bed there for an evening. Yeah, fond of that one.
0: The top tip, and what would your next one be?
3: This is one which I think is more qualifies as a speakeasy, which is Evans and Peel in Aldes Court. Um, You may have read our features editor Will did an article on it maybe a year ago or so. Um, Unlike a lot of London speakeasies, in inverted commas, this. They've actually thrown a lot more effort at this one. Um, You have to make an appointment to speak to a detective about your case. And you have to give your appointment details to be buzzed in. And after that, I don't wanna give too much away because it is, whether or not it's your thing, it is quite an involved process, getting into the bar. Um, One which I quite like. But the crucial thing is that when you get in, it is lovely, like the music is great. There's a new smoker which I have not got the chan- I've not had the chance to experience, but Will has said is one of the best things that's ever happened to him. Um, so very much one for fans of kind of barbecue um, American classics on the cocktail front, and I would probably always order a like a dirty martini. There would be the perfect drink, but they certainly have a big range of whiskies, beers, and things to make you feel like you're drinking in a film noir or some kind of Gumshoe's office.
0: Do you have a favourite film noir
3: Ooh, That's such a tough one. I mean, Maltese Falcon, but I don't remotely understand it. I just enjoy it regardless of the fact that I cannot follow the plot and never will. A complete classic. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm thinking, as soon as I asked that question, I was Mm. like, oh my God, do I have a (laughs) favourite film noir? Um, I guess I really like, uh, is it LA Confidential? Oh, yeah. From a yes, few it. years ago, well, quite a few years ago. Uh, so, as it's a proper speakeasy mm-hmm. where you have to make an appointment and go through mm-hmm. uh, a, a process really to get in, does that mean enough people know about it and is there a buzz when you go there?
3: So, I've been twice and both times it was extremely buzzing. I think if you live in West London, which isn't so blessed with a ton of amazing basement themed bars, You would probably have this one on your radar, whether or not you'd been. Um, On top of that, although they make it quite secretive um, and quite shrouded in mystery, the process itself, the actual process of booking an appointment is quite straightforward, and you can do that in the far less old-fashioned way by emailing or calling. So um, many people make it in
0: that's good to hear it's not (laughs) I'm trying to think is it Berghain that club in (laughs) Berlin where yeah I I don't know That's that's a strange reference but uh so what's up next
3: all right well continuing on the East Berlin vibe is one of my favorites for that part of the world which is Freud's on Shaftesbury Avenue near Holborn it's got quite a yeah quite a brutalist concrete feel to it Um, You access it by quite a rickety iron staircase. And when you get in, it's invariably heaving at pretty much any time of the afternoon or evening. It's also surprisingly cheap for that bit of town. I think cocktails tend to be about £6.50, £7, and they have just an enormous number of them. Um, They have a fantastic but dangerously drinkable Manhattan, which I think is £7. Um, They also have all sorts of... um, I suppose more off-piste, complicated, fruity numbers that I think are of their own invention. But what you'd, as you'd expect, with somewhere that has really quite a small bar counter, um, an enormously big cocktail list, and is very, very popular, you can be waiting for such a long time to get served that it's really worth double ordering uh, when you do. You should go in with the intention that um, that it's going to, you're going to make it worth your wait.
0: That's a pro tip. That is a pro
3: tip. Yeah, I've learnt the hard way. <laughs>
0: um, with a name like. Freud, mm-hmm. does it bear any relation to uh, Sigmund Freud?
3: Oh god, I thought you might ask that, and that's is, <laughs> I have zero idea whatsoever. Um, it has no hallmarks of Freud that I'm aware mm. of, being very concrete, neon, and full of like, pina coladas and stuff. So none of those are things that I typically associate with Freud, but entirely possible there is a connection that I just don't know about.
0: It didn't make you want to kill your mother and (laughs) marry your father.
3: It did not make me want to do either of those things, Uh, thank God. But on the uh, other hand, a few double orders at the bar and who knows what could happen.
0: There you go. (laughs) Stay safe, people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after Freud, what are we going to go for?
3: Okay, this is one that I really debated whether or not it was legit to include because this is... I would say solely for if you're on an expense account or some kind of corporate entertainment thing. It's Wave Bar in Mayfair. It's underneath Park Chinois, which is also eye-wateringly expensive. Um, it is hard to justify my having included this because if I'm honest, I would never visit unless it was some kind of, yeah, some kind of expense account deal. But God, is it something to see? It's this crazy late baroque explosion of gilding and mirrors and marble and lacquered wood everywhere and cocktails could set you back more than you would pay for a meal and drink somewhere else i think they sort of some of the cheaper ones maybe start around the 18 pound mark but it could well shoot up to about the 28 pound mark if you want mm. to go fancy um that is not a place for people who like drinking in any significant quantity but it is a ridiculous place to be in and worth seeing if you can justify that to yourself.
0: I wonder with a place like that whether it's just okay to kind of sneak in, take a look around, pretend like you're gonna order a drink, fake a phone call and leave just so you've seen it.
3: <laughs> just so you've seen it. I mean Londonists could never endure such a horrendous piece of behavior but that is exactly what I would do personally.
0: Okay well I'm uh, looking forward to going on Londonists expense account <laughs> in the near future. I can't wait and for your final pick
3: Mm. this one was a no brainer I definitely wanted it on my top five it's Cahoots in Soho familiar with it?
0: not quite I know other people in the office uh, are particular fans
3: Uh, Will is obsessed with it but with good reason I think it's just very lovely and while what I'm about to describe might sound a little bit kitsch it's not really it's just a very lovely place to go drinking Um, I would recommend it specifically for one of those nights where you want some live music which i think it has wednesday to saturday usually and also late night drinking it's open till 2am most evenings 3am at the weekends which is increasingly a bit of a rarity in soho so really um really a treasure in that count alone but on top of that it's 1940s themed but very specifically 1940s themed um, around a disused underground station vibe
0: Ooh, that yeah. is always going to be something that people at londonist love
3: yes exactly and not just people at londonist i mean it is extremely instagrammed and quite recognizable so even if you haven't been you're, you might recognize them mm. um, people taking photos of themselves in an old 1940s train carriage which is one of the drinking booths
0: oh this sounds familiar yeah. okay. one of the much
3: to drinking booths so if you want <laughs> your photo in that that is something you're going to have to book far in advance but generally speaking. Um, If you're not that fussed about the selfies and you're just there for a good time, it is perfect. Um, It's busy, you may have to queue to get in, but you can book in advance. It's open late, it is good for groups because there are lots of booths and kind of corners you can take over, and the drinks are great. There's also a short snack menu, some of which is spectacular, some of which is a bit deviant, like they do stuff with spam, which I find deeply suspicious. (laughs) Um, I can't remember, so I might be misspeaking, but I think it was, I think we had something like a Spam and Crisp sandwich or Spam and Jam, something something that I've repressed, clearly, and don't want to revisit.
0: As a vegetarian, I can't really <laughs> speak on Spam, but i I've never really heard anyone speak highly of it.
3: Yes. <laughs> I would love to, I'd love to say that I'm inventive enough to find a way that, to make it taste good, but I cannot get on board with it. However... Um, that should bear testament to just how much I like cahoots, but I'm willing to overlook <laughs> this really shocking practice and just focus on the excellent cocktails and the live swing bands.
0: It sounds like um, I don't know when when I go to Soho on a Friday or Saturday night, it it can be the, it can be a bit of a sense of mayhem in the air. Yes. Um, do you think <laughs> that is a very good description? Uh, cahoots fits with that, or is a bit of a haven.
3: No, I would say it's very much, very much the former. It is yeah. a place of mayhem, mild mayhem, and good-natured mayhem, but mm-hmm. like mayhem nonetheless. Um, so, on that note, you know, of the places on our list, I'd say if you want a kind of a good place to have a heart-to-heart or a quiet date or a um, like a catch-up with friends that you really want to talk yeah. to and you haven't seen in ages, it's not cahoots. It's, <laughs> it's probably um, it's probably Discount Suit Company or Evans and Peel. Um, probably probably not wave bar again unless unless you have a very wealthy friend very wealthy friend you should definitely catch up with them there um but yeah i think cahoots is more for a messy slightly grimy um but very good fun night out
0: well uh that is something i can totally get behind (laughs) i think on that note we might finish up thank you so much lydia
3: my absolute pleasure thank you so much
0: as we've been talking so much about the world beneath our feet we'd feel remiss not to let you know about an upcoming exhibition from our friends at Museum of London in 2019 it's called Secret Rivers yes you can probably already guess where this is going it investigates the secrets of London's forgotten rivers like the Fleet, Westbourne, Peck and more now back to Will for the next five on his list followed by the second half of our chat with Matt
1: 15. Henry VIII's Wine Cellar, one of the only remnants of Whitehall Palace 14. Berry Brothers, labyrinth of dusty wine cellars and posh tasting rooms 13. The Silver Vaults, a very posh underground shopping mall 12. The Laboratory beneath the Monument, head downstairs to discover Hook and Wren's secret toy 11. Energy Base, nude swimming underground in Bloomsbury every Sunday
0: We're talking about all these uh, different infrastructure projects that are underway. I think I mentioned Crossrail 2, which is hoped and planned for the future, but not everything that's planned comes to fruition. So I was wondering if you had any favourite failed underground London projects.
2: Well, the one that springs to mind, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure, is the, the, the fast northern line they were going to build. This is slightly deeper and parallel with the existing Northern Line. And during the 1940s, they, they built a series of stations, which are still there today, along the route of the Northern Line. You can see the surface buildings to this day at places like Googe Street and, and Belsize Park and Camden, and three places in Clapham. And this would have been a high-speed line going north-south and a spur off to Chancery Lane as well. Because it was the 1940s, the the scheme served the secondary purpose of building deep-level shelters for the, the embattled population of London who'd just gone through the Blitz and who, who knew what was yet to come. So they were used as shelters, these, these deep-level places, during the 1940s, although by the point they came into use, the heaviest parts of the Blitz were over. Um, but people still used them because you had the dangers of flying bombs and uh, rocket attacks and things like that. Uh, They never got linked up into a tube line because, obviously, following the Second World War, the money was needed for other things. But they're still down there today. Most of them are used for safe storage of documents and things like that. Uh, One or two of them have found more novel purpose. So uh, TFL, or the Transport Museum, now open one up for site tours. And you can find details of that online and reports on Londonist about what you'll see down there. Uh, The most unusual use, though, is the... Clapham Common, a deep level shelter, which has been turned into an underground farm.
0: So, it, With a very punny name?
2: Yes, yes it's go- called Growing Underground. Now, if you go out to one of the, the many nice restaurants in the Clapham area and you order something with a side salad, there's a good chance that the leaves you're eating were grown in this subterranean space because it specializes in things like leaves, salads, rockets, things like that that grow under unnatural light, so UV lamps and things like that
0: yeah um, and i think they occasionally open up for tours as well and some tickets recently went on sale i don't know if they're
2: that's right i think i was lucky enough to go down a couple of years ago and they told me that they would probably never open it up to anybody actually because the danger of getting spores and germs and things into that network of tunnels could imperil their their crop so you only got to get a bit of fungus down there and the whole lot can be ruined so they were keen to keep people out, but uh, perhaps they were having some kind of changeover or, or they found some way to filter out anything like that.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you say it was planned originally as an express northern line and served a secondary purpose. I, I knew about these shelters, but because I always knew them as deep level shelters, I thought it was the other way around. Mm. They were built as um, yeah, bomb shelters and then someone had the novel idea mm. to connect them up. But that's wrong.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the structure of them, they are very linear, long structures. In fact, incredibly long, a lot longer than a tube platform. Um, so that they are excellent spaces to explore if you ever get the chance. But they, they And they all point towards each other as well. So they're yeah. clearly the, the embryonic form of a tube line that, that never got completed.
0: If they were planned as a express tube line, they seem like a weird set of stations to choose because they're bunched up in different parts instead of spread out equally do you have any idea about that
2: that's a really good question i never thought about that i think they seem to be bunched particularly in heavily residential areas so clapham and uh, belsize park camden so maybe it's just where majority of people lived so you get on in the morning in your local station and then you're whizzed into the centre really quickly because they're not clustered around the centre so
0: much. Yeah, there's one in Tottenham Court Road. That's right.
2: And there's the Chancery Lane one that um, was turned into a telephone exchange later on. Ah.
1: Ten. St Martin's in the fields. Coffee in a crypt among the tombstones. Nine. Greenwich Foot Tunnel. Also see Woolwich Foot Tunnel. Number eight. Harrods Basement. Begin your Egyptian escalator voyage here. Seven, Brompton Cemetery Catacombs. See lead-lined coffins by torchlight. Six, Mill Hill East Subway. Festooned with murals of the solar system.
0: Another thing that, I I don't know if this never got built or this was just a plan um, that got a lot of media attention a few years ago was an underground cycling network, the Underline. Um, Was that using, trying to repurpose old tunnels? I believe. I
2: think that was only ever a kind of pie-in-the-sky dream. Pie-in-the-sky is totally the wrong metaphor for a <laughs> subterranean thing. But I think, uh, didn't that come out of some competition to imagine a future London where uh, you could be as bizarre as you wanted, how, how the future transport could be?
0: I, I think that's right. I just remember people loved it. Well, people mocked the idea. I don't know if people loved it, right, but it got people talking, yeah. certainly, as a possibility. Um, I, I don't know about me personally, I, I think the appeal of cycling is being out in the fresh air, not hidden away. Yeah, right. I mean,
2: <laughs> you want to go, it's the same with walking, isn't it? Yeah. You don't want to be walking down a long tunnel. We've all been down that tunnel at King's Cross or Green Park, it seems to go on forever on the tube lines. It's no fun whatsoever. So I, I can't imagine the idea would ever get funded. And if it did, I don't imagine it would be that popular.
0: Speaking of walking down long tunnels, There are two walkable tunnels beneath the Thames. Um, Actually, there might be more than two, technically, but there are two foot tunnels, specifically. Um, Do you have much fondness for them? Because those are long, straight tunnels.
2: I do, because they're quickly over, but they're also charismatic and characterful, aren't they? I've been down in those... uh, Just to
0: clarify, we're talking about the Greenwich and Woolwich foot tunnels. Right,
2: and... That they're all tile lined, so they've got this weird echo to them. And because and you're going under the Thames as well, there's something a little bit... I was quite frightened the first time I did it. I, th- I mean, I know it's been there for over 100 years and it's not going to collapse anytime soon. But part of me thinks, I'm walking under the Thames right now. The river's only a few metres above me. This feels a little bit scary. Uh, so they are interesting spaces, those. There's um, another foot tunnel not many people know about because they can't use it goes underneath the Thames Barrier. In fact, there are two foot tunnels underneath that that are used for maintenance purposes. So you know how the Thames Barrier is a sequence of pontoons with gaps in between to let shipping through. Well, it'd be really hard to get to the middle pontoon, for example, if you're an engineer, if you had to catch a boat there and climb up a ladder. Mm. So they built two tunnels underneath. Two because everything on that structure is multiply redundant in case something fails because the barrier is too important to fail.
0: That is fascinating. There is one final tunnel you can walk under the Thames um, even though it's not exactly advisable.
2: That's right it's well the Rotherhithe tunnel so linking Rotherhithe with sort of whopping a uh, limehouse region. You can. There is a pavement down there and it isn't forbidden to walk down there but it's Highly not recommended because it's quite a narrow pavement and you've got cars going past and all the fumes and things like that. It's just not a pleasant experience.
0: There's a video on our YouTube channel um, of uh, our former video producer, Daniela, doing that walk. And you can kind of see she starts out really positive. And, and the longer it goes on, it's like it's a lot of fumes now. Yeah. Um, but it's a great video. Highly recommend you uh, uh, find it out. And of course,
2: the the Rotherhithe Tunnel is pretty close to the the Wapping Tunnel, the Thames Tunnel, the Brunel's built way back in the 1830s, 40s. And you were talking earlier about oldest subterranean infrastructure, and that is a good 10 or 20 years older than the first underground lines. So today it carries the overground, ironically, underneath the Thames. But it was originally designed to carry foot traffic under there. I think, in fact, they were going to put um, some kind of rail link through there originally, but um, it took a while to come to fruition. But that was quite an achievement for the time. It was the first tunnel that went under a major river anywhere in the world. So they were really doing innovative stuff. And th- quite a few people killed building it. It was one of those very dangerous projects, but still in use to this day. And it won't be too long before we're celebrating its 200th anniversary.
0: Ooh, I can't wait to see what they have in store. I'm sure the Brunel Museum, which is is not exactly part of it, but it's on top, it's in the engine house. Yeah,
2: and one of the, the shafts that yeah. we use to, to build it is part of their facility.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll be doing something. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit of a broader question about subterranean London and underground London. What, why do you think it interests people so much and excites people? What, what is it? about just being beneath the surface you know
2: I've often tried to put my finger on this it's it's a hard one to explain I, I really have that urge if someone says come into the sewer with me I'll always say yes so I'll come and explore this basement it's so exciting and I can't quite work out why I, I mean I've got this theory that we evolved to be curious really don't we it's in our instincts to to explore the undergrowth for berries as, as hunter gatherers or to see what's over the next hill because it might be Um, favorable to our tribe or to our survival so that instinct is innate in us those spaces which are out of our reach are all the more curious for it we want to explore them we want to know what's down there and uh, quite often you, you know there's a sewer going under the road and you'll you know you'll never get to see it and there's something fascinating about that so when people do open these spaces to the public i think but they always sell out really quick, don't they? There's, there's unquestionably a huge appetite for this kind of thing. And I think it is that innate curiosity and the innate need to explore we all have, to find something and see something that few other
0: people have seen. So there's an exclusivity factor.
2: Yeah, exclusivity. I can't say that word. <laughs> um, but also that, I don't know, just curiosity yeah. you know, in general.
0: Well, that's as good a reason as any um, to go underground. And looking forward to the future, I want to ask you a big question. How deep could London go?
2: <laughs> I think it's about as deep as it will go because of economic factors. Um, every I mean, every foot or metre you go further down adds to the complication and cost of a project. So, I, And I think at Crossrail's depth, there's still a lot of space at that level. So Crossrail 2 would be about the same depth, I imagine. Um, there's no real need to go deeper. And I think by the time, I mean, especially if we're talking transport. I think by the time we get to sort of Crossrail three, four, five, if if such things ever happen, surface transport will be utterly indistinguishable from what it is today. There'll be all kinds of new technologies we we don't yet know. Um, so maybe maybe driverless cars will work, and part of that technology will be that they can drive closer together and fit more capacity on the roads. So, I mean, that's just the, the near future, um, so who knows what's down the line. But then you've got things like Elon Musk and his, what is he called, the Hyperloop tunnels. I think they would probably have to be a bit deeper for the size of them. Um, so, and
0: still quite a way off in the distance.
2: Yeah, well, you never know. Without, without, <laughs> the,
0: the the rate he's doing
2: with his space program is, is colossal, so maybe you can do the same underground. Cool.
0: Well, that's... A whole lot to look forward to for the future of Underground London. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Cool. And see you again back on this podcast soon.
2: Or at those desks over there now.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you head over to the website and go to the article for this episode, there are plenty more goodies to dig into such as links to multiple pieces that go into more depth on subjects discussed in the episode, like reviews of the bars mentioned, the write-ups of Matt's wacky experiences. And don't worry, we hadn't forgotten, here's Will with the final five London subterranean places.
1: Number five, The Vaults, Fringe Theater in graffitied arches beneath Waterloo. Four, Brunel Thames Tunnel. Ingenious underwater engineering project now, ironically, carries overground trains. 3. Kingsway Thames Tunnel, into which Trams once vanished from the road in Hoban. Number 2. Mail Rail, everyone's favourite new underground attraction. Number 1. Oldwich Station, disused tube station which you might recognise from Sherlock.
0: Rabbit and Pork was produced and hosted by me, Hyrosol thanks to all the team at Londonist for all their help with the episode. If you have any feedback or questions about things discussed, just send it over to hello at londonist.com. We'll see you again in the new year. Hope you all have a lovely Christmas break.